Welcome back to The People Show. This Friday, means Brett Festerling is going to join us. Josh Elliott will filling in for Bic Nazar. Uh, before we get to Brett, Jampro, the leader in commercial cleaning. Keep your workplace safe during this flu, flu season by trusting Jampro's EnviroShield disinfection service. Visit jampro.ca. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. And you can always text in 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. It is the people show. Get your takes in. Uh, but let's bring in Brett Festerling, former NHL defenseman and current uh, game analyst on Sportsnet 6, 650. Thanks for taking the time, Brett. How are you? Hey, good, Josh. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, just uh, kind of reeling over the latest Canucks news. They've they've had a, hit a bit of a rough patch. So uh, today at Morning Skate, seems like Andre Kuzmenko is going to get the scratch tonight. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think it's deserved with his recent play, or is this kind of like a send a message type thing? Yeah, it's definitely send a message type thing. Is it deserved? I mean, it's always going to be tough when you're taking those caliber players out of the lineup. I think I think it's more of a, a long term um, health team, like for the better of the team long term. I think. Talkins from day one, I think, set this tone of there's certain things that you're going to have to commit to, whether you're on the first line or, you know, you're the 18th forward, you, you're just going to have to commit to a certain um, system, a certain work ethic, and if you don't toe that rope, then you're not going to be in the lineup. So I think he set that tone kind of for everybody, and obviously they've kind of pointed out Kuzmenko, it's not the first time he's been in trouble probably for a defensive play. So, um, you know, I, I think they're just sending a message and 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 luckily they've built up a, enough points where I think they can do that at this time of year where they can try to nip these problems now and uh, take a little, you know, more action in terms of setting them as they are tonight. You mentioned like what the Canucks are kind of looking for in their players right now, and and Rick Tockett has talked a lot about the staples of the, of the team. Do you think that's why a guy like Sam Lafferty is getting the shot on the top line? Like, because he's he's shown that he's he's really committed. He's he's in on every forecheck. He's playing really hard. Is that why Sam Lafferty is maybe getting that shot over a different winger uh, near the bottom of the lineup right now? Near the bottom lineup in in terms of Hoaglander? <laughs> yeah, basically Hoaglander. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 100%. That's exactly why it is. Lafferty's played really well the last... I mean, I think he's been impressive for, you know, the majority of the season. But if you look at him, just a guy that plays north with speed, is not afraid to grind it, wins wall battles, and goes to the dirty areas. I can't think of a more talk-type player than that, right? Like, he's done that consistently. He's had success with it. He's brought some good energy to those fourth and third lines to just make them make a difference in the game. So I think Tockett's a big guy on rewarding guys that exactly buy into that system. So the exact same reason you're seeing Kuzmenko come out of it is the exact reason you're seeing Lafferty get that opportunity. So I think he's just rewarding those guys with, you know, their ability to dig into what he's trying to do here. Uh, with Hoaglander, so points in four straight games. I think a lot of people have wanted to see him maybe in- increase his minutes and and maybe get a bit more of a, a notable role. And this did feel like maybe an opportunity. Like if you're going to scratch Kuzmenko, why not give Hoaglander a shot there? And maybe we do see him in moments 
tonight against Seattle. But uh, what have you thought about Hoaglander's game recently? And and do you want to see him maybe get more minutes? Or like I, I think a lot of people are kind of happy with like he has these these bursts of energy because he's he's only playing ten or so minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would like to see him in a like sixteen to eighteen minute role. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you if you looked at the last few games in terms of Beauvillier and PDG kind of alternating and getting things. I wouldn't be surprised if you do see Hoaglander in those situations. Obviously, there's a power play spot available too, so I wouldn't be surprised if he fits somewhere in there and that's kind of his carrot. But yeah, I mean, I have liked Hoaglander. Like Bick and I did preseason analysis where Hoaglander was a perimeter guy and he wasn't going in front, and we were trying to and Bick was really trying to dig in what's the difference between some of these depth players and Hoagland and why isn't he getting these opportunities? And those really stood out. And he's really closed that gap. He has been tenacious. He has been physical. He's um, become more responsible with and without the puck. So, yeah, I don't disagree that he, he deserves a shot on, on some of these opportunities. And I think he will will get them. But the big thing for him, too, is it's four games and it's an 82 game schedule. I think the coaching staff wants to see consistency out of him. And there's, there's the other half of this is the practice half that people don't see. A lot of the rewards that we see at game time is work and fundamentals done at the practice level rooms in way back. So property uh, probably does all that. I don't know where Hoaglander is with that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised some of these lines as well because obviously they're trying to get different things going with some of these injuries so Kuzmenko was a scratch for the for the Canucks tonight obviously taking off the top line but the top line in general Kuzmenko Patterson Mikheyev they've had their moments but they haven't really been um where you would expect them to be and even Rick Tockett has mentioned that as well where he just wants them to kind of play more direct in a way and what have you thought of those three lately and and obviously Pedersen seems to kind of be dealing with an injury right now as well but what have you thought of that line overall yeah I mean that's the thing is when they're on they're incredible right they're they're it's magic they're all kind of have their own styles and and everybody's seen what PD can do in terms of his creativity and his skill level but yeah, in the last, you know, four or five games, they haven't dominated the game by any means. Obviously, Petey's a target. He's going to get double teamed. He's going to get – guys are going to play him that line hard no matter what. But obviously, um, Petey's going to get played very hard and guys are going to jump on him because as soon as you give him that space in terms of when he drives into the zone and pulls up and everybody sees him do these pull-ups and then spins off, and then threads these beautiful passes through. That's in every team's video before games now. As soon as this pulls up, we need to close. Or these are his tendencies. So when he does this, you got to be on these guys. So it's going to be hard. So, yeah, I mean, they're, I wouldn't say they've been fantastic lately. I've, I've really liked what I've seen from Mikheyev and PD together. But I think it's really interesting to see Lafferty tonight just with that speed players back what he has the power he's just driving the net to just free up room for pd so i think that's part of the move too is, is this way of getting to another gear where he back and make them so that should in turn uh, um, open the uh, injured or something like that i don't know 
um, yeah, I'm excited. I have faith that he's going to come through. He's pretty, pretty amazing, but he's going to have some adversity along the way as well. The other part of this uh, this Kuzmenko scratch is, well, he's a he's a five million dollar player playing top line, top power play. What does a scratch like scratching someone like this do like mentally for the rest of the team? Are they are they on edge or are they like, hey, this is my opportunity? Uh, and also, you kind of have to show that um, not everyone is. Uh, you kind of have to earn your spot when you see a guy like Kuzmenko, right? Yeah, I think it. It's a different answer for every different group of guys. Every team is going to be a different answer for this because it really depends on the morale of that group. Um, I think the Canucks are in a good spot with their leadership and the accountability they've shown so far, especially out in the open. So I think um, this will be, uh, hey, we we all need to play a certain way, and that's understood. Now, if you're on a team like last year, it's easy for this to snowball to kind of selfish play and guys getting down on whatever stage maker would be mad. And then he kind of drags other guys with negativity down and that kind of stuff. I don't think the Canucks are there in terms of how well they played and this leadership group they have, which is night and day from last year. So I think it's more of a like, Hey, we, we have a new standard here. We all need to play to it. And if you don't, then you're going to be out of the lineup. And there is like, if you look at, I like if I'm looking at the coaching staff, that third goal is just fun. Those staples that Taka talks about the back check. It's not a good back check. He doesn't recognize there's usually a somewhere, probably the red line or blue line where you pull off and get the third guy. He doesn't do that. It goes to the third guy. And then he doesn't fill in for PD that needs the cover for his third guy. And that's an, ends up, you know, where the goal is coming from. So, it's those those are very simple fundamentals that everybody needs to play by and if he's not getting those and you know we already know through through the media in the last year that that's the part of the game that needs to improve and he's working on it but it's also you can only screw up so many times before there needs to be uh more consequences so i think that's what's happening it is the people show josh elliott will filling in for big nazar joined by brett festerling uh so tonight the canucks in seattle um Sneaky kind of big game for for both teams. The Kraken could get yeah. to within four points of the Canucks with a win. Um, we've been trying to. It feels like fans, at least, have been trying to make this rivalry a thing, uh, and it just hasn't been because the teams have been good at different points. But is this potentially the moment where things finally start to get a little more uh, more heated between the two teams? Yeah, it could it is a big game? It's uh, we'd call it a four point game, right? You're either four points up or four points down compared to if you win or lose the game versus that team in, in your division. So it's, it's a huge game for them. Yeah, you're right. There just hasn't been the same emotion because one team's always kind of been good while the other one's been bad or vice versa. But now they're both, I think, pretty similar. Like Seattle, I don't think, lived up to expectations of where they were last year, this year. But the game they played last week, they looked like a good hockey team. To me, they looked more like the Canucks than the Canucks did on that game. They they played a structured game. They were fast. They protected the middle. They got on the forecheck. They had good gaps. They were down the walls. That's stuff that we've seen the Canucks be so successful at this year. And they did it to the Canucks. And they're not really – they don't have the high-end superstars. Like, obviously, they have some really good players and Dunn and Emberley and all those guys that I'm going to miss. But – 
they're kind of a committee team. They really need to play. They need 22 guys going or 21 guys going for 60 minutes, and they've done a good job putting that together. So um, I fi- find those teams lead to less emotion for some reason because there's less guy in terms of the fan side because people kind of gravitate towards, I think, rivalries within players. But um, they're a good team, and they, they, they played really well last year, and they're looking to go forward. So it, this should be – an emotional game, I would think, which should carry over to that kind of derby rivalry, which I would hope it would be nice to have a rivalry. It would be really nice if, if the city got fired up when Seattle came to town and vice versa. So will it will it end up that way? I don't know, but I would, I would love if it did. Definitely would be. It's, it's been a while yeah. since I, Canucks fans have really been able to, to hate a team. Like I feel like it goes all the way back to maybe Chicago. That, I feel yeah, like, like that has Chicago for sure. Mm-hmm. that'd be a great or even some San Jose some of those San Jose series there's a couple good Dallas ones because mm-hmm. my as me as a kid I remember but that's the thing right so many of those rivalries are born out of playoffs as a kid the big one I remember is the old Dallas Edmonton series they had like three or four of those that were incredible and I loved watching those so it would be really nice if if Vancouver and Seattle got to those points and those things, like, they kind of happen organically, right? Like, the NHL, when they, they restructured the, the playoff format, it seemed like they were trying to create more of these emotional series, uh, like like you would hopefully see Calgary playing Edmonton more and, and stuff like that. But it kind of feels like, I don't know if it's just because you play the teams in your division more often during the regular season, but it kind of feels like with this new format, like, we, we haven't seen as many intense playoff series as maybe we saw even a decade ago like again thinking back to when the Canucks would play against the the Blackhawks like those were incredible series that had a lot of emotion and and they weren't forced together by by a playoff format you know yeah exactly I when they switched it I I I get I think everybody understands what they're trying to do but you're right just everything seems so forced and staged and you took away some of those unexpected rivalries that really became a big part of the game and the playoff format. So I, I really like the one through eight and go that way. But I mean, what do I know about the commissioner of the league, I guess? <laughs> yeah, neither are we, but I, I agree. Uh, the, the one <laughs> through eight is definitely better. Uh, one more before we let you go. Uh, it's been so really compact schedule for the Canucks right now, including this is the first of another back-to-back tomorrow. They get the Sharks and you're going to be on the call with Brendan Batchelor, but it, it makes it really hard to fit practices in with that as well. And that's something Rick Tockett has talked about. How quickly can bad habits kind of creep back in when the team doesn't have time to, you know, address whatever's going wrong properly because they, they have to balance the, the rest with the practice time. Yeah, really quickly. It can, especially in this, I don't know if this goes well for the Canucks or not, but especially if you're winning because you kind of critique it less and then you just float along with these bad habits. And then all of a sudden you string three, four or five losses together. So um, yeah, it can creep in. I think that's part of the Kuzmenko thing as well. You think if it's a, it might be a harsh reaction, but then you mix in exactly what you're saying, this schedule and how difficult it can be to correct those things without the proper practice um, time. So you take, things like sitting like Kuzmenko to send more of a message and get guys more in line than you can from a practice, I'd say. Hey, Brett, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, have a good call tomorrow. Thank you. Appreciate it.
There is Brett Festerling, BFF Fridays here on The People Show. Uh, once again, no pick Nazar. Today, he will be on intermissions and postgame, but I'm Josh Ellie. Well, filling in for Bick, a little bit under the weather at the moment. Uh, keep your texts coming in, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we'll hit a couple of them here before guys naming dudes, by the way, backup quarterbacks. Get those in. Shout out Tim Boyle. Um, this one, call him from the Caribou. I have zero issue with Kuzmenko being a healthy scratch. I haven't seen him go to the front of the net since he took the Miller one-timer to the chin. He's been playing the perimeter, non-danger area since he came back into the lineup. Um, I I will say, I know Kuzmenko, has, he hasn't really seen a production slip. Uh, goal scoring, yes, but overall points, I don't think he's been he's, – he's really felt the effects that um, – would warrant a scratch, but if you're watching him every game, he just hasn't been the Kuzmenko that we saw last year. And the Canucks, like, they kind of need that. Like, they don't have a lot of guys that are driving play on the wings, and Kuzmenko was expected to not really be a play driver, but at least compliment Pedersen enough that uh, would warrant him being in the top six. And and so far, I just don't know if he if he has really shown that. And that's a uh, – I personally, I don't have any fault with the Kuzmenko scratch especially if we see him back in the lineup tomorrow. I just, uh, it's, you got to do something if you're the Canucks right now. It's not hit the panic button time yet, but it is, it is time to see some changes. Uh, and this one as well, uh, a text. I still hate Boston, referring to uh, the rivalries. I feel like a lot of teams in the NHL hate Boston right now though, because it's like, man, just stop being good. You're supposed to not be good anymore and you're still doing it. And it's annoying. Uh, 650-650 Dunbar Lumber Tax Line. Keep your texts coming in. But right now, it is time for Guys Naming Dudes. Exciting. Um, so today, Guys Naming Dudes is going to be in honor of Tim Boyle, who played for the New York Jets today. It's going to be backup quarterbacks. It's going to be our, our theme for the day. Tim Boyle, though, is it? I guess that's like a third-string quarterback. But that's way too niche. We're not going to pull out third-string quarterbacks at the moment. Still uh, counts as a backup quarterback. Yeah, he's the backup to the backup. It's fine. Um, By the way, the best job in sports is a backup quarterback. Oh, for sure. Especially if you're like one of the veteran guys who can just stick in the league because you're just good enough. But also, no team is ever going to be like, yeah, you're a number one guy. So I pulled up the stat when you said we're doing backup quarterbacks. Chase Daniel, everyone knows him. You That's know, the... he went around the league, Chargers, Chiefs. He has made $153,000 per career pass attempt. Dang. Is that real? That's, That's like crazy. securing the bag, man. Good for you. Um, the one that comes to mind for me, and like, uh, obviously as a Vikings fan, this is going to come up, uh, Case Keenum. Love that guy. And he kind of he's been going around the league a little bit. Uh, I think he's played for seven teams. Yeah, he threw that miracle ball to Safon Diggs. Did correct. It was wonderful. Uh, unbelievable. That was wonderful. Uh, Sean Mannion, right now, he's been places, not inspiring at all. The the thing about a backup quarterback, the ones that people love, well maybe not love, but appreciate, you just can't be inspiring at all. You know what I mean? Like, just be a guy back there behind the, the starter. I got an inspiring one. Frank Reich 
going back to the Buffalo Bills back in the day, backing up Jim Kelly. Playoff game leads the comeback yeah. against the Houston Oilers before my time, but I've watched all the tape. Now he's the coach of the Panthers doing a not-so-great job, but <laughs> not, backup not quarterback great. Frank Reich, amazing. Uh, 650-650, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's almost like too, too much a of a starter. starter, you know? But he was a backup for a long time. He was a journeyman, for sure. Uh, Mike Glennon, that's from Thelcon. That's a good one. Uh, Ingle Martin, third string for the Packers in 2007. That could be a made-up name. That is niche. Yeah, Ingle Martin. Um, the one, so it's the thing about a backup quarterback as well is he, it almost feels like you can't name a, a rookie who had a lot of potential. Like it has to be, again, I just keep – Coming back to Chase Daniels, who's like, like a, this is a Matt guy. Castle. Yeah, Matt Castle. Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy. <laughs> well, apparently he was inspiring. Who's to say? Um, let's get some Seahawks ones in here. I've got uh, a perfect Seahawk one. Go I've ahead. got two. Are you going to say one? No, go ahead. You go ahead. Clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst. Oh, man. Charlie Whitehurst. Um, that's a good one. There's, I gotta, I gotta find his name, but there's, there's one that Matt Flynn. Maybe it is Matt Flynn. It's just like honestly, the thing about a backup quarterback as well is you can just say names. You could say two first names, and that's kind of just a backup quarterback. Uh, this one, Jeff Garcia, um, Neil from Surrey, Doug Flutie. This one, this one ruined my. Uh, Vikings fandom when I thought they were going to make the Super Bowl after during the Case Keenum year actually um, Nick Foles very notable backup quarterback won a Super Bowl and then uh, immediately wasn't good again Nathan Peterman Nathan Peterman you love that guy brought in the game to start and throws five interceptions in one half. That hurts. That's a backup quarterback. That's a backup quarterback. That's Still what I want to see from a backup quarterback, though. You know, like go in there and stink it up, man. Show that you don't deserve <laughs> and a starting Still has job. a job in the league as a backup. Yeah, he's probably a you cool. finesse the system. He's You're probably, making money. Probably a cool guy. Uh, Aaron's brother, Jordan Rogers. Yeah, he actually won uh, on the Bachelorette reality TV show. Jordan Rogers. Jordan Rogers, Aaron's brother. They have no relationship whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Jason Garrett, another back. I feel like you can also just like point to current NFL coaches. Kevin O'Connell, backup quarterback, because um, you got you got to make some money when you're done. Nathan Rourke, backup they're also smart guys because they're on the sideline watching the game for years. Yeah, so they understand the game. The thing about being a backup quarterback is you kind of have to be, especially if you're going to be like the veteran to a rookie. You almost have to be a coach, but like a, a coach that the guy can confide in and you just got to know about the game, essentially. Likeable guy as well. Yeah. Just fun be, to practice with. Be good to be a good locker room presence. Great shout in the text box. Unsigned Brian Braum. That's a former Buffalo Bill. Man, any Bill and Elon's. Any Bill and I will know it. Uh, Drew Locke. We'll end with that one. Not very good. Not very good. Um, that is. Guys naming dudes, keep your texts coming in. Keep the backup quarterbacks coming in as Canucks Central takes over, uh, leading you in to the Canucks and Kraken uh, tonight. Yannick Hansen will join the show. It's also Mailbag Friday, so get your questions in for that. 
Uh, this has been The People Show. I've been Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Bick Nazar. Thanks to Victor Gaucher. Thanks to Elon Shark uh, producing the show. And thank you for listening and texting in to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. This has been The People Show on Sportsnet 650.